It is good to be here again. My goodness, it's been a long time. You know what? The message that I'm going to speak today, I've actually been waiting about six months to speak. It's been on my heart for this congregation, both online and in person here, for about six months. So you ready for it? I'm ready. Oh my goodness. Um, so a uh, big, big thing happened to Shauna and I since I've been here last. We are empty nesters. So... No, that deserves an applause. We made it. <laughs> look, look, I love my kids. I do. I love them gone, too. <laughs> they're coming over. They're coming over tonight for, for a family dinner, and then they're leaving. So it's like the best of both worlds. So good. Um, one of the reasons, one of the reasons uh, we, the, the, the last one left was we downsized to make it uncomfortable for him. Um, <laughs> It was also just time. It was time to do it. And so this, this, uh, you know, this spring, we actually packed up and moved. How many of you ever moved? Like moved from apartment to apartment, home to home? Right. So you know how much boxing things up is a part of moving. And, and you know, have you ever noticed how boxing things is easy in the beginning? It's like China. Awesome. You put it in the box. <laughs> done, right? And label it living room or dining room or whatever. And then maybe not living room, that'd be awkward. But then you, then you go on to other things, right? And just like linens in, in the upstairs closet, because you want to label it with where it's going to belong when, when it gets to the other end, so that the people helping you move can, can do that, right? Well, um, when I was uh, packing stuff up, I was right in the middle of burnout. My wife was working, manifested, closed, and so I was doing a lot of this myself. And so I didn't have a lot of mental energy to spare. And so near the end of the moving process, have you ever noticed, like, again, it gets more difficult over time. Do so you ever notice that near the end, you're left with just a bunch of stuff that does not belong in boxes together, right? And so, so then what do you do? How do you label that? What do you, so I remember one, one long box and it had like a hockey stick, my Lord of the Rings sword, a broom. So I just wrote long stuff on it. <laughs> and I didn't even put a location. Like, ah, I don't know. Um, but, but near the end, I was losing so much brain power. I just couldn't, I couldn't think. So this is a picture of an actual box that I packed. I had, I had put a bunch of stuff in, taped it up. Could not for the life of me remember what I had just put in the box. I'm like, I forget. I don't know. Notice I didn't even put a little, it's like the curb, the roof, I'm not sure. Just, just take it to the new house. Um, but then I started to think, <laughs> then I started to think, people at the other end are going to be reading these. This could be fun, right? So this is an actual box I put up. Uh, a hilarious amount of painfully random things. That was the label. And then uh, garage, who knows? Just, <laughs> you know, take it, take it somewhere where it needs to go. Um, so, so this is kind of how it went, just for the last number of boxes. And I'm a little disappointed with myself because I, I, was, I was actually starting to cry laugh on that one, just thinking of the person at the other end going, what, what do I do with this? But I was thinking, imagine if I had put like gunpowder, <laughs> the armory, or something like that, you know, biohazard, the lab. And people are like, do you have a lab? <laughs> kind of, yeah, it's upstairs. Go just keep looking. You'll find it just up there. So um, speaking of boxes, though, You'll notice I've got a box here up with me, and it's got the, can you read this? Everyone can read this? God in a box. Have you ever heard this phrase, don't put God in a box? Anyone heard that phrase? What we mean by that phrase, right, is that don't limit God 
by, you know, your small ideas about him. Someone saw the box earlier this morning and goes, you have a very small God. That's, that's exactly the point, right? But here's, here's, the, here's the kicker, guys. If we're limiting God by our beliefs about him, is God in the box or are we in the box? Because I don't think God's in the box. I don't think the Christian life is all about trying to figure out how to get God out of his box. Like, I don't think God ever fits into our ideas about him. Do you? I don't think so. I think the Christian life is about God trying to break our box because he's so big, so glorious, and so grand. And our ideas are limiting him from impacting our lives. But we're the one in the box he's trying to free. Amen? Okay, so let's, let's do this. Can I ask you a question? How many of you are ready to experience, you'd like to experience more of God's presence? More of God's presence today. Anyone? Maybe, maybe you're seeking God. You're like, I don't know what that is, but that sounds awesome. I, either way, can we agree? We'd love to experience more of, is that up there? Oh, let's put up the next slide. Sorry. I'll just go like this, make it really obvious. Um, more of God's presence. But here's the thing. When it comes to experiencing God, the Christian life, everything in the Christian life, the, the walk of faith with Jesus happens by grace through faith. So it's a gift of God. We can't earn it. He just bestows his favor upon us. But how does it arrive? Through our faith. So our faith can become that limiting factor, the bottleneck. God isn't the problem. We're the problem. It's our limiting beliefs that limit our experience of his grace. And so our experience of God's presence and experience of God in his presence is drastically, drastically limited by our beliefs about him. Somehow we have this idea, even though we know that the Christian life is all about by grace through faith, that somehow this stuff is just going to happen to us. By saying it's by grace doesn't mean we have no part to play. So can you do something with me today? Just humor me. Stand where you are really quickly. And I want to read a prayer together. Can we do that? And if you can't stand, that's okay. And stand in your heart. And online, in your living room, I'm watching. Where are you? There we go. Stand up. Okay. So let's pray this prayer together, okay? Just read with me. Father in heaven, my experience of you and your presence is limited by my beliefs about you. So come break my box. Amen. Let's say it one more time. Come break my box, Lord Jesus. Okay. You can, you can have a seat. Now, the, the story that I want to share with you today comes from the Old Testament, um, Exodus chapter 33. And I'll give you a little context for what happened before. It's Exodus chapter 32. That's the context before Exodus 30. That's a little joke there. You can laugh. It's, it's okay. I know it's a lame one. One of those pastor jokes. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the deal. What's happened in Exodus so far is that the Hebrew people have been liberated from their bondage in Egypt, a 400-year bondage. They have been liberated by like all kinds of shock and awe, by miracles from heaven. God's presence has been tangible for them. And then they have marched out into the Sinai Peninsula, this, this stretch of desert. And God's plan is in about 40 days to take them from there to the promised land. You and I both know that this doesn't take 40 days. It takes about 40 years. 
because the wheels fall off in a big way. We're going to experience or we're going to kind of unpack a little bit of that today. But what happens during that, that zone is very shortly after crossing the Red Sea, um, what happens is Moses goes up, goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the, basically the constitution for this nation that's been formed in a day. He receives that from God, and he comes back down with these new tablets. And he's like, hey guys, look what I... And in the short time that he's been up on the mountain, they've taken off all their jewelry, smelted it, and made a golden calf to worship. And he's kind of like, what the... So he smashes these things. He's super frustrated. He goes, just set up camp, and me and God will figure out what to do with y'all. So that's, that's the context, super uh, scholarly context, I know. Um, but this is how the story goes. Let's read the next scripture. God responds, finally. Look what he says. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Because you're a stiff-necked people, and I, the bracket is, quite frankly, I might destroy you along the way. I am so mad at you right now, right? And when the people heard... These distressing words, they began to mourn. Now, what's going to happen today in this story is God is going to come to you. He's going to take your box and your ideas about his presence. And he's going to try to break your box. We just gave him permission. We said, come break my box. So here's the first blow to that box. The God who is everywhere is not going to come with them. Does this seem strange to you at all? Now, some of you want to spiritualize it and abstract it. Well, he means like with them, like I'm with you heart and soul. And so now he's not going to be with them heart and soul, except... In verses 15 and 16, later in the chapter, Moses knows exactly what God is saying. He's not saying heart and soul. Moses said to God, hey, if your presence, now now we're talking about God's presence. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How else will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The God who is everywhere. This is what Moses knows. This is what the people of the Hebrew people know, even in the infancy of their their relationship with Yahweh. They understand that the God who is everywhere is sometimes somewhere more than he's everywhere. I know this is going to get a little abstract because our human language struggles to get, you know, to, to, to get wrap words around this. But the God who is everywhere sometimes shows up somewhere more profoundly than he is everywhere. This is just reality. And they understand something profound as well. They understand that it's that more, that that manifestation of God's presence that is critically important for their own survival. I want you to notice that not one of the Hebrews snickered when God said, I will not go with you. None of them said, well, technically you're everywhere, so you'll be there too, and then we'll just call out to you. It'll be fine. (laughs) None of them do that. They mourn. They grieve because they understand what I'm going to share with you today. There are degrees, I would say five, at least five degrees of God's presence. We've touched on the first one already, God's omnipresence. God is everywhere, and so he's here too. Technically, 
But that's a theological concept. Has, has it ever occurred to you? No one has ever experienced the omnipresence, the everywhereness of God. No one. Do you know why? Because we're not everywhere. You and I are locked into time, space, and place. So anyone that's ever experienced God's presence has experienced something different than his omnipresence. Now, I don't want to minimize God's omnipresence in the, in the grand scheme of things. We, we need to meditate on the truth that God is everywhere. He is transcendent because if he's everywhere, that does mean he's here with us now. It's very difficult to tune in to God where you are if you're having trouble conceiving of the fact that he's here. And you don't necessarily know if he's here unless he's everywhere. So this is really important. But the Hebrew people and Moses already understood there's a second degree. God with us. And what they meant by that was God's presence is tangible in such a way that it actually changes the atmosphere. You know, the Bible stories, right? If you ever, some of you are old enough to have done flannel graph. I was there, you know, in Sunday school where they'd stick those things onto felt, the papers, right? And we'd see the pillar of cloud, you know, during the day guiding the Israelites and the pillar of fire by night, manna appearing on the the desert floor for them to eat, God's provision, the, the sense of God moving among us. God is moving among us. By the way, this morning, I caught some of that here. Did you? The sense that God's moving among us. There's, there's something different about those moments than our way, on to ch- our, our, our way to church. Even though God is with us because he's everywhere, so he's with us there in the car, there's something else. God's presence changes the atmosphere. Changes the atmosphere. For, for the God's people in the desert, their, their feet, their, their shoes didn't wear out. They, they didn't get sick. They didn't, like all kinds of things happened in the desert because God was with them. And they were so, so dependent on that manifestation of God's presence that they said, if, if you're not coming to the promised land, if this among us thing is not happening, we don't want to go. Um, how many of you, if God said, I will give you your dream come true, but I'm not coming, would you take it? The Hebrews, Moses was like, then I'm out. I'm out. See, biblically speaking, God's presence is a manifestation of his being in time, space, and place. Remember that. Some of you might go, well, give me a verse to illustrate that. I already have, but there are hundreds in the scriptures. In fact, I would say in some of our more conservative churches, we have misread hundreds of verses in the Bible. Because as soon as we hear presence, we think omnipresence, but that's not what the Bible's talking about. Now that I've given you this filter, just take your concordance, Open it. That's a a list of all the Bible verses. You can check up different topics. Look up the verses in the Bible that talk about presence. So the word, use the word presence and you will see it's not talking about God's everywhereness. It's talking about his somewhereness that he's, he's manifesting in time, space, and place. Something of his character, his being that changes things for the people around when he does this. 
I know this is a stretch for some of us. That's why I talked about breaking the box. I'm not going to step on your box. I'm going to be very, very careful about your box. Notice I was very respectful with your box, but God's going to break your box. Okay? Now we see a, a full, fully orbed version of what happens when God is with us in Revelation chapter 21. Look at this. Look, God's dwelling place. This is in, in heaven now, in glory, like at the end of the whole story. God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. Thought he was with us. Well, he's with us. Because he's everywhere. But the Hebrews knew, but God can be like with us. And then we see in Revelation, there's like with us, with us. Like the the full expression of God being with us, which we haven't had apparently up to this point. So every one of these degrees I'm going to share with you is actually kind of on a sliding scale too. There are all kinds of different expressions here. But look at what happens when God himself will be with them and be their God. Watch. Everything changes. There will, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Not because people went to heaven, but because God is fully with us. That's what changes everything. When the more God manifests of who he is, the more his kingdom comes, his will is done. The more heaven comes because the atmosphere of heaven is the presence of God. Amen. You're really quiet. Are you okay? We good? Because we're just getting started. It's going to get weird. I'm just going to warn you, okay? So the, the action here that the Hebrews modeled for us and, and Moses modeled for us is dependence. It's like, I don't want to live without that sense that you are working among us. And this is more corporate. This is more corporate, like a sense like I am part of something and God is moving among his people. I celebrate the testimonies of God moving in other people's lives. And I draw strength from that too, going, God is at work among us. It's just part of what's happening with this church. I can sense it. God's, God's moving among you. And you're like, God is doing stuff. There's new things popping up. It's so exciting. But there's one person who took it to level three or stage or or degree three intimacy. And that is Moses. Moses in, in leading God's people basically was so aware of God's presence among them that he decided to make it personal. He decided to take it from corporate to personal and not just personal, intimate, a face to face sharing of heart and mind. And here, here's what I mean. Now, Moses, during this season of Israel's history, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Now, watch this. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would or could go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Anyone could do this. There's no other record of anyone actually doing it. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. What's going on? Why? Why Moses? What's well, watch. Look what happens next. Because as Moses went into the tent, that pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Not just to Moses, with Moses. 
And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. So the, the children of Israel knew God is everywhere, so technically he's here. But there are, there are ways in which he manifests his, his presence in such a way that he's working among us. And this, is, this among us thing, we cannot live without. We cannot survive as God's people. In fact, as a church, <laughs> if, if, according to Moses, what else distinguishes us from the world? Is it because we're better people? Is it because we're just more awesome? Or is the the main difference between God's people and the rest of the world that God is with us? He's he's among us, right? This is the difference. But Moses now takes advantage of the fact that God's with us and he does something that the others don't generally do. And that's he sets up a tent. In time, he makes time, space, and place for God. He sets up a tent, a space, a place where he can spend time with God because he knows that God's presence loves to manifest in time, space, and place. And he doesn't necessarily know this is how it works. He's just like, I just want more. I want more. And he goes there and he meets with God. He shows up consistently. That's the implication. Moses, it's this regular thing. And the most people, instead of going, hey, I want that, most of the people are content to worship from their tent and watch Moses go. It's like, oh, man, I wish I could have that. Well, you could. That's, that's what it says. Anyone could go over there and do it. But it's Moses that does it. See? <laughs> And here's the crazy thing, this phrase face-to-face. This could be the game changer for you. This, this whole reason you're here this morning. The word face in Hebrew is the same word as presence. Presence and face, often the very same word. So you can read this scripture The Lord would speak to Moses, presence to presence. So here's what Moses did. He set up a tent and he wasn't just content that God was present with us. He made himself present to God. How do you make yourself present to God? We sang about this actually. I don't have time to go super deep today. It hurts my soul. But let me just say this. We make ourselves present to God by consistently giving him our full attention and our deepest affection. Just really quickly think with me now. If someone has your full attention and your deepest affection, they've got you. You are, you are fully present to that person. Yes? So, Here's Moses, the only one in all of Israel that didn't just go, cool, God's among us. He's like, God is present. I'm going to present myself to God. I'm going to make myself present to him. I'm going to consistently show up, give him my attention and my affection. 
And it's because of this that he enjoys this intimacy that the other people can just stand back and watch. And you know people in this church probably you are like, I don't understand. They have this depth of intimacy with God. I guarantee you it's because they show up and make themselves present to God. So there it is, the last action. Consistently giving our affection and attention to God. But there's more. I call them, in this context, special encounters. I think for many of us, we'd be like face to face, like intimacy with God, presence to presence, where you, later on in the story, read like Moses would like come out like glowing, you know, just like, people are like, okay, you want to dial that, that like he's, he is like connecting with God. You think most of us would be like, kill me now, take me to heaven. Like that's, that's all there is. And Moses is like more. And God doesn't go, Hey, be thankful for what you got. In a sense, he's like, attaboy, attaboy. Look what happens next. Then, that's after this, after Moses is enjoying this, cultivating this intimacy with God, Moses said, now show me your glory. And this is one of those moments where someone's asking for something they, they don't understand. They, they, like, God's like, well, I could, but it'd kill you. <laughs> right? So the Lord said, I, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see my face and live. I I thought you were meeting face to face. Oh yeah. Face to face, but not like face to face. There's more. So he's like, Show me, show me your glory. Now, I, I, I have the suspicion. I don't think there's any Bible verse that specifically says this. But I have the suspicion. Oh, by the way, I just Jesus, thank you for being here. Oh, just feeling His presence right now. Oh, I have this feeling that one of the reasons we're going to need new bodies in glory is because this one can't handle the unfiltered glory of being with him in heaven. That's what I think. I think, I think that this one would just like get incinerated, just, just like a snuffed out candle. And God was like, well, that was fun. So instead he's like, how about we just like let this body eventually fall off and we'll give you a new one. How's that? We'll give you a brand new one that can handle eternity with me. But okay, we're not done with the story yet. Um, Last bit, there's some more breaking that needs to happen. And it's going to happen in this next paragraph. You ready? <laughs> Remember, this is God's word. This is me. Whatever your ideas or theology are, they have to match up to the actual experiences of people in scripture for them to be valid. Are you ready? The Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. What? N- near you? Yes. Okay, so let's see if I got this straight. So if I, like that rock? Yes, so if I go over here, I'm near you, right? Okay, what about that rock? Like, what if I go stand over here? No, then you're not near, what? 
So you want me to go stand right, like right here? Yes, you stand right there. And when, when my glory passes by, so you like move? Yes. <laughs> I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Passed by. So like, you're like everywhere, right? Yes. But you can come and you can go. Yes. Let God be who he is, people. Let him be bigger than your box. Let it break. And you know this is true. There are times when when some of you have experienced this, like the veil gets torn away and God's presence just seems so much more tangible. And then it doesn't all of a sudden. And sometimes you're like, well, wait, where'd that go? And we're trying to recapture what we got as though it wasn't his mercy that gave us this in the first place. And this is the thing about encounters with God. You cannot earn them. You can't get into God's good books. You can't pile up enough prayer and fasting for God to go, hey, if you just 30 more minutes a day and you're there, like it's not how it works. However, even though it's a gift of God's mercy, I will submit to you that it was only Moses that would show up day after day and make himself present to God, giving him his attention and his affection so that he put himself into a position that should God want to manifest more of his glory, like I'm already there, I'm waiting, right? Can he earn it? No, but he can put himself into a position where God knows he's super interested in what happens next. So I would say for these special encounters, you can ask him for greater revelation, but it's up to God. It's it's his mercy. And then we have number five, I already already kind of alluded to this, the unfiltered glory of God, which God said to Moses, you ain't ready, son. (laughs) Like you're not, it would kill you. I'm not going to give this to you, this side of glory. So the action to take here is just wait your turn. Wait to your turn. It's your time to go and you'll get there. And and in God's presence, his unfiltered glory, you're going to be so glad you have that new body to be able to handle it. And you're going to bask in the majesty of his greatness forever and ever. The God who is this consuming fire, the one whom you've been longing for your entire life. And two minutes in, you'll be in heaven going, everything is worth it. Every amount of sacrifice, every amount of, you know, struggle I went through to, to remain faithful to you, God, has been worth it because I just get to bask in who you are. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. So here, if you want to take a picture of this, go ahead. Um, I, I want to just close with a couple of stories. Um, this last year, as you know, I, I've, I've shared this. I don't want to like re- like spend too much time in the in the muck. But you know, if you know me or my story at all, it's been a tough year. So much loss, so much pain, so much grief. And um, losing a manifest was so hard that in the beginning, I couldn't even go into a church. I just found it so painful because it was confronting me with this failure and this loss and all of this. So... It was a couple of months later that we stepped into the church we're going to right now. I don't know how long we'll be going there, but um, it's called C3, and it's on, on the highway there, on the, on, on the number one. 
And we stepped into this, this worship service just about to begin. They began with worship. And 30 seconds in, I said, oh my. Because the sense of God's presence in that room was so thick, so sweet. And it, it immediately started healing parts of me that needed healing. Like with just standing there in his presence, like just like, I didn't even know places like this existed. And it wasn't manufactured. It wasn't, it was just God was moving among his people. And I revel, I just said to Shauna, God is here. Like, whoa, like just in a profound way. But I didn't just content myself with God is moving among us. What did I do? I became present to Jesus then. I said, here I am. I gave him my full attention and my full affection. I sobbed through this entire service, just at at the beauty of the one that I was in the presence of for this, this entire time, the whole service. I couldn't stop crying. It was just this beautiful, beautiful moment. And, and then, so it became an intimate thing between me and Jesus too, even though it was corporate with, with his people. And, And then it actually became something even more. And, and, and I think it was just God's mercy. And I wouldn't call it a massive like encounter, but, but it was like a before and after event in my life. Like a, there, there came a moment where it felt like I had been thrown into a, a huge pool of God's presence, just a pool of love and, and started to sink in this pool. And instead of trying to swim, I just decided to drink it. That's kind of what it felt like. And uh, like, I, I, I'm doing so much better. One of the reasons, I think it was about a month later that I actually came here and preached in summer. It was my, that was my first time back in the pulpit. I couldn't have done it without this encounter with God that healed places in me. I didn't know I had places. I've experienced moments where... Uh, in great warfare in my life where I was on a mission trip where um, we were experiencing all kinds of demonic attacks in the night and things like just like horror story kind of stuff. And we just called out to God, like we need you to come and rescue us. And in the morning I woke up and it was perfectly still in the room. And I sat up in my sleeping bag and he spoke my name audibly just Bradley. Very few people use Bradley, by the way. <laughs> he was like, that's either my, I was saying it's either my trouble name or my affectionate name from, from Shauna. It was both, I think, from God, right? Just like, oh, and it went right through me. And to this day, I'm telling you the story. It was before and after. Um, I, I've had a moment in my, in my um, early 20s where again, I was feeling so under attack. And then again, just calling out to God in the night. And I had uh, this, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know what it was. This, uh, but I suddenly, it felt like the, the, the northern lights are in my room and God is putting armor on me. And I can feel it going on. And suddenly I'm feeling totally protected in his presence. Uh, I don't say these things to you because I'm spiritual. I'm actually saying I'm incredibly humbled. Like, because God says, I will have mercy upon him who will have mercy. Like, 
Nobody earns this stuff. What I want you to know, and this is what I'm going to say in closing, and worship team, this is your cue. Um, God wants you to know this morning, there is more of him to experience. He wants you to want it. He wants you to have it. And he wants you, he's waiting for you to ask. But then also to show up like Moses did. To give him your full attention and your deepest affection. Then we leave the rest to him. One last thought. And that is this. If we don't feel God's presence... It doesn't mean he's not here. Why? Because we can always go back to his omnipresence and go, even though I don't feel you, you are here because you're everywhere. Amen? Funk. And that's a foundation we can rest on. But then say, more. Can I pray for you? Because here's the deal. Wouldn't it be sad if all this was was a message? This is, this is an invitation from God himself to encounter him more profoundly. I'm guessing some of you have already felt that right during this message. You felt the walls come down. During this next song, you're going to have a chance to express your love and heart to God. And, and we can give him our affection now. We can give him our attention. And we can show up like we've maybe never shown up. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And we invite you to come. We know that you're everywhere, but we want more. We want more, not because we're gluttons or something, but because we need you, just like those ancient Hebrews knew. We need you to move among us. And we desperately want to cultivate the kind of intimacy with you that Moses enjoyed We would love for our lives to be punctuated by these moments of glory that we can't earn. But we appeal to your mercy now in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. As we've been worshiping, I got the sense that as we worship, we usher God's kingdom here. In this space, in this world, and in our lives. As Brad was talking about this box, now that's not God in the box, but we're in the box, and we just pray that God, that you give us eyes to see. Lord, that you give us ears to hear the ways that you are moving, the ways that uh, we can hear your voice in our lives and the impact that that makes it, Lord, that the intimacy that we can have with you, that we can be glowing as Moses. That when we have intimacy with God, that people can notice not just the spiritual change, this physical change of things that are in our lives, that that is something that we can experience as we worship in song and in word and community and our going that we usher God's kingdom here in our lives and uh, as Brad was sharing and experiencing some of this uh, even just this healing in his own life and, and these ways that God moves that we believe that God is the great physician that he can bring healing that he can bring peace that he can bring understanding that he can bring shelter that we just want to invite you into that posture of prayer
And we have prayer teams available at the uh, end of the service that uh, we just pray for God's Holy Spirit just to fill us, to fill the space, but to fill our lives and to bring some of that healing and that clarity and purpose. Uh, so we just want to invite you for, for prayer um, if that's what... Yeah, if that's what you're being feeling called to, we're just praying for the Holy Spirit just to enter into our lives. And if you'd like to even know more about uh, who God is and how we can grow in that intimacy with God, I want to encourage you. If you haven't done Starting Point yet, I want to encourage you. This week, it's know God. How fitting. How can we know God? So I just want to encourage you during the second service to go to Starting Point. If you would like to uh, also just follow Brad a little bit more on this journey uh, with him and growing in this life-changing intimacy with God, uh, that Brad has a newsletter, uh, and we've got a slide uh, up there. You can just go on the QR code. You can go and, uh, yeah, follow that link and be added to his newsletter to be uh, on this walk in this relationship, right, as we do this together uh, with Brad and growing in this life-changing intimacy with God. I just want to encourage you to do that, but uh, let's just pray. God, thank you. Thank you as we worship, your kingdom gets ushered here. Not just in, uh, yeah, not just in our lives, but it starts here. God, we just pray for you to fill us. So Holy Spirit, come. Bring your kingdom here in our lives and your will be done. And not just in our lives, but expand that to the rest of the world. That we can be a glowing representation of your presence to the world. Just praise things in your name. Amen. Again, thank you, Brad, for coming. It was great. Everyone else, uh, have a blessed week.